Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Split Decision. With it's me and Para today. George couldn't make it, and uh, we've got two special guests. We've got Dane and Emmett. Dane from the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix, and Emmett from the Illawarra Hawks. And uh, yeah, welcome, welcome to the show, guys. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh uh, yeah, guys, we appreciate. It. We've been big fans for years. Yeah, thanks for having us. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I guess before um, we get into it, we have to obviously mention our sponsors, Kremlin. Uh, we, we've got the web, website in the description. They've got their hoodies. They've got trackies coming soon. And uh, yeah, so make sure you guys are checking that out. And uh, also make sure you're checking out the Instagram, the Facebook, and the and the Reddit, <laughs> the Reddit that we never use. So uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's so anyway, let's get let's get straight into it. I guess. So, I mean, uh, first question for both of you that we have written down. Um, what's like your first memory of basketball, like with a basketball, like your first memory, you know, like touching a basketball or something like that? Um, for me, I have three older brothers and they were all playing um, basketball growing up. So I was always just sort of around um, when they would go to their games, like under eights or under tens or whatever. And I was four or six. I'd just run around and sort of shoot the ball even though I probably couldn't make it at all. Um, yeah, that, that was my earliest memory, just sort of messing around. Um, and then when I could actually hit the rim, they let me join the team. So, yeah, that was, that was about it. I mean, for me, my dad uh, played in the NBL. So I've always kind of been around it. And um, my first memory of basketball was actually just running around at his practices and stuff like that. and. Um, when I was a little too, I got to go in the locker room uh, when the, he was still friends with all the Tigers. He wasn't still playing, but he was friends with them all. So I got to go back in the locker room and, and sort of see those guys. I remember seeing, you know, Druid and Leonard Copeland and stuff back in the day. And I always looked up to them, but that's like my first memory of basketball is like going into the locker room with the Tigers. So you got to okay. grow up with basketball basically around you guys? Yeah, for sure. It was always kind of like part of uh, my life and, and I guess growing up. So both of you obviously had those older influences. Are these like the reasons why you got into basketball instead of like footy or something like that? Uh, yeah, I would say, I mean, I'm, I'm from New South Wales, so footy was never really a big thing for me. Um, I did play tennis growing up as well as basketball, but I think I realised quite early I just wasn't made for tennis. I wasn't mm. that good at it. So at a certain point I had to choose between the two and it was a, it's a pretty obvious choice to go with basketball. It's just what I love to do. And, um, yeah, I was much better at basketball than I was at tennis. Mm. I, I also played like, a whole bunch of sports growing up. Um, just, but I, it's like, like M, basketball has been the most enjoyable for me. And also definitely it's most suitable for me just with my height and everything. It helps a lot. So um, you kind of get pushed there a little bit. But I did grow up playing a lot of other sports. I played footy for a little while, but... I wasn't. I didn't love the the, the cold outdoors. Um, I'm more of an inside comfort sort of style guy. Um, so I stayed with basketball. So, so when you were a kid, so you both grew up playing like basketball as kids, you know. But when was like like that realization that you you were just a bit, you know, more advanced than some of the kids at your age? You know, you thought, you know, maybe I can make a career out of this and like grow up and play basketball like for a professional in a professional league in the future. Like, when was that realization? Um, for me, I was a pretty late developer, so I didn't uh, make any state teams or anything like that until under 18s. And even then, it was kind of like I was still just sort of pretty excited to be there. And, and I guess when we, uh, I went to AS, and that's actually sort of where I first became friends with Emmett. Um, and that was when I was kind of around guys who were really good as well. I was like, maybe I'm not too bad myself. And, and then even then, you don't really, you kind of still just playing for fun until you finish college and you have to start thinking about like, Oh, well, now that college is done, like, how do I keep playing? And to keep playing, you've basically got to play pro. So that's kind of when I realized that I was going to be able to, like, play pros when I was supposed to be AAS. But not until I really started playing, I think that I was going to be um, playing basketball instead of doing real work for uh, at least a little while anyway. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of a little bit of a late thing for me. But I did always dream of it. Just not, I didn't realize that, that I was possible to make it quite late. Yeah, um, for me, you know, I think I started dunking around the age of eight. So uh, from there, it was wait, just dunking a at eight? Logical step. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, known, 
I'm known for my athleticism. I was only four foot five with a 55 inch vert. Um, no, like Dave said, um, it's just sort of like take it. I mean, you just try to get to the next step and then the next step. So we play reps and then try and make a state team and then try and make an Oz camp or something like that. Um, yeah, so at, when I was younger, I never really thought necessarily about playing pro until it started to become a bit more an option um, in college, like Dane said. Um, but yeah, the focus is more just trying to make that next step and next step um, instead of setting your sights necessarily too far ahead. Mm. Um, so growing up, were there any basketball idols that you had that like you wanted to model your game after? Hmm. Um, Nick Young, Swaggy <laughs> P. That's kind of who I've always looked up to and uh, tried to be, tried to model my game around. Um, I guess other players, maybe Wally Serbiak. Mm. Uh, yeah, the usual guys that everyone kind of looks up to. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I watched a lot of, I mean, I've always been a big NBA fan. So I watched a lot of um, Chris Paul and Steve Nash growing up. Chris Paul, like baby. The, the <laughs> the, you like Chris Paul? Shut up. But yeah, so Chris Paul and um, you're saying? Yeah, and Steve Nash, he was, uh, when I was growing up, yeah. it was sort of like the running gun Phoenix Suns were, were pretty big. Um, and obviously seeing a fairly unathletic white point guard thriving um, sort of gave me a bit of faith as a fellow unathletic white point guard. Um, so, yeah, I tried to, tried to learn some stuff from him. Right. So, uh, Dane, this one's for you. So, obviously, you spoke about your dad before, um, Brad, who played for Devonport Warriors and Melbourne Tigers. Like, how was how, – how did he – impact your um like basketball environment growing up like was it always just around you or you know was it only when you went to training with him and stuff like that uh great knowledge of my dad's career uh knowing he played with devon paul warriors so well done man good research um he uh he helped me out a ton i mean just like there was plenty of times like i said i was kind of late developer and um he just was always encouraging me um behind the scenes and stuff like that just Tell me if I enjoy it. You know, I don't need to worry about if I'm having success or not. Just uh, keep having a good time. And, and he's the reason kind of like, for me, my favorite part of basketball is just really like the friends and uh, the relationships you make along the way, mm. um, which has been really cool the whole time. And that's something that he's always like really pushed me towards just to enjoy the sport for what it is and, and don't, not get try and not get too high or too low with how you're doing, but just enjoy the opportunities that you have. And, he was awesome. Obviously, he coached me a ton. He coached me in juniors and then he coached me in NBL1 now. So, my actual performance, he's had a big impact on, on the player that I am. But just as far as it goes with him enjoying the game and everything, I think that's where he's had his biggest influence on me is just, you know, knowing how to enjoy the, the things that are, that are great about it, which is, you know, the team the, the teammates that I've had and the bonds I've formed with them. So, and all the places I've got to go over around the world too. So, He's definitely made me appreciate basketball right. a lot more um, behind the scenes as well as just uh, helping my development. And then also, right. um, when you were young, you obviously were in New York for a bit. Did that um, also have that impact on your basketball sort of culture life thing? Golly, this, the split decision really does their research. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> New York background. Um, but uh, I do appreciate that as a, as a, as a real New Yorker. Um, yeah, it was cool. At the time, it was actually, living in New York actually um, didn't really help and push me towards basketball at all. Uh, when I was there, the Yankees won three World Series. I played baseball for a little while because I thought that was really cool. Um, really? Yeah, I did. I played baseball. No, I wasn't Why good. couldn't you uh, find this out? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, that's not great. And you're right, there's not many opportunities to play baseball in Melbourne, but I played for a team called the Waverley. I can't remember that. I can't even remember the name. I played up in Waverley. Then I played for Port Melbourne as well. Uh, but yeah, that was fun. And uh, living in New York was cool. It just it was a good experience being in, New York, in America, I guess, and going my American citizenship. So that helped me with college and everything. But now, yeah, New York is great. But good question. Thanks for asking. <laughs>
So Emmett, this was the so obviously you grew up in Sydney, but what was it like? What was the dynamic of basketball in Sydney? Was it much different to where you are now, or like where you've been in your career? Um, yeah, it's a good question. It was well at the time when I was younger, I didn't really get the perspective until I think it was under twelves or under fourteens because we my team not to flex too much is pretty dominant in the Sydney competition, the team I played for. There's not um, a lot of competition in Sydney, so it's not happy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, so we, we got all, uh, all cocky because we won a few championships and things like that. And we ended up going down to the Melbourne um, Classic mm. tournament in under, I think the first time was in under 12. Mm. And we just got absolutely beat down at that tournament by all the Victorian teams. Um, so that was sort of the first taste of like, all right, like we we were pretty good in Sydney, but things are much more serious down in Victoria. Um, and then, so we kept going back to that tournament and ended up doing better and better. And then I guess from the Australian to the American perspective, like going and playing college basketball over there, just how big it is, like just your average student at the college who plays no sport or whatever, they all just love basketball, love sport. Um, and like the ran like a random guy will be actually pretty good at basketball. Whereas I think if you found no offense to the Australians, but if you found a random guy on the street, chances are they probably wouldn't be very good at basketball. Um, so yeah, I saw that just a step from say Sydney to Melbourne, and then from Australia as a whole to America. Just um, yeah, the focus on basketball and how different it can be with where it's prioritised. Boys, a fun fact about the Classic, actually. Uh, Emmett and I played each other in, in the Under-18 Classic. Uh, in the grand final, I was playing for Melbourne Tigers. He was playing for North Bears. And uh, the game went to overtime because because somebody missed a free throw at the end of regulation to win it. Oh, and, oh. The mighty Tigers. <laughs> Got up and got the job done in OT. I'm pretty sure Dame was fouled out at that stage. I was, I was fouled out. <laughs> <laughs> but I had faith in my boys, so I didn't. I didn't really you know. had faith. <laughs> oh my god. So then, Dan, you obviously mentioned coming back to Australia. How was that adjust adjustment from like moving back from New York to coming to Australia and finishing off your like childish childhood sort of here? Well, I, I came back from America when I was eight, so I had um. I wasn't too bad, really, uh, with sort of... A, I was just so young. I didn't have, like, you know, lifelong friends in that leaving. But um, I did actually... It was funny. I came back from America in... I, I finished year two in America, and I came back, and I was right age for year two in Australia. And then... But they moved me up to year three. There was a week left of school. So I did one week of year three, and then I went to year four after that. Mum wasn't happy about me being young. So I actually repeated year four. So that's... <laughs> Um, that was, that was, that was, <laughs> I guess that was a bit of a tougher adjustment, but um, other than that, it really wasn't too too difficult. And I was very lucky to grow up in in South Melbourne, uh, right around the corner from MSAC, which which is which is good for my basketball as well. So, so you you two have been together for a while, like known each other for a while now, and you both went to the AIS, so the Australian Institute of Sport, for in Canberra from May 2012 to June 2013. What what did you like? What experience did you gain from there? Do you reckon it elevated your game a bit? You know, <laughs> just being just <laughs> just being at the AAS, it did for sure. Um, we uh, that's like the AAS is a pretty amazing, like resource of basketballs, just because you always have access to a gym whenever you want, um, and the weight room and everything, all the physios and everything, just pretty amazing. So it teaches you a bit about professionalism, and um, and obviously you have to work really hard because we were there just to play basketball, so we're working out twice a day basically and it's it's pretty cool experience um and then it's also uh, one of the things for me as well is just that there's been a lot of Aussies that have been there and you don't really want to be one of the ones that doesn't turn out um because there's a lot of guys who've been to the AS but not everyone does end up doing quite well so kind of motivating to be one of the names on the wall that um actually didn't do too badly with their careers yeah I've got a question for you guys where did you get all your research from uh, we we pride ourselves on our extensive extensive research that we do. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm a bit worried now. I don't know what you're saying. Uh, we're like Tony Stark. We just have people everywhere. 
I've got a question. I didn't write this down, but um, how did you guys get into the AIS? Oh, um, that's good. I actually, at the time, I think I applied for it, um, and they were choosing between me and one other person um, in my position, and they actually chose the other person, and then he ended up declining the scholarship. Um, really? So then I got accepted, which, um, look, yeah, looking that? back at it, it's fish. Oh, fish. Looking back at it, um, it was a pretty big moment, um, that move, because then I went to the AIS, obviously, um, and made connections there to get through to college. So, um, yeah, I think at the time I was just applying, and I'd been to a few Oz camps, so... They didn't. They were aware of like a certain pool of players. Um, you did have to put your name down, I think. Oh, I didn't put my name down. I got selected from the uh, under eighteen nationals. Oh, it was under eighteen? No, under, under twenty nationals. Sorry, I, I played well at the under twenty nationals, and they uh, sort of recruited me from there. I'd been to a couple uh, trips the year before with Emmett and the AS. We went over to Europe a couple of times. Oh, actually, I just went one time with them to Europe, but. I got to do a few Oz camps with the under-19 Australian team. So they saw me play there as well. And then I was basically brought in with about four other guys and it was kind of to help us get prepared for the under-19 World Championships. Uh, so I was really only there for six months just because we were just, we all had sort of finished school and we had the time to work together to sort of put on a good performance at the World Championships. Okay, yeah. Do you want to go? <laughs> oh, yeah, I can get Um. So then you guys went from the AIS to um, university, to St. Mary's University in America. Um, what was that transition like, living from, like, living in Australia to moving to, to, to the U.S.? I mean, yeah, it wasn't too bad. It was, it was, it was, it was good, but it, it was tough. Um, it's a, the college is a really different experience in terms of basketball, just with how, uh, I guess, they just sort of really on your case and they, um, they make you work really hard, which is, which is good, um, but it's a different style of play over there, um, which takes a little bit of adjustment. You know, when we first got there, it was a 35 second shot clock. The pace is really slow. It's a lot different to the way we play in Australia. We kind of play high tempo and, and we like to get shots up and everything like that. But over there, it's, it's a lot different in that regard. Um, and then there's the intensity of every practice and every weight session, especially at St. Mary's. Um, you have to make sure that you don't take a session off at all, otherwise you get kind of ripped by the coach. So, and that's why they, they've done so well. The coach demands a lot of their players, but it is, uh, it is a different experience, you know. Yeah, definitely. I think I was a bit luckier. Um, I redshirted my first year, so our coach sort of had a philosophy. Like, it was tough as well. I had to still work hard, but when people are redshirting, he sort of forgets about them for the year and lets the assistant coaches deal with them. Um, so I wasn't under as much heat as Dane sort of immediately um, in that first year. So I, I got to sort of get my feet under me and adjust a little bit. Um, but yeah, like Dane said, it's just, I mean, it was tough at AIS, but then we went into just these really structured practices for two and a half, three hours. Um, you're just playing against better athletes and stronger guys. Um, so I think for both of us, it took a while to really get used to that physicality and that athleticism. Um, and we did have to put the time into the gym a little bit. Um, still not the biggest guys, but compared to where we were, um, before we could really start getting minutes um, at St. Mary's, we really had to work on our bodies a bit. Um, otherwise, we were just going to get beat up. Right. So, yeah, that's... There's a lot bigger athletes over there, I guess, in America. I don't know what they feed them, you know. <laughs> yeah, they're growing big. They're growing big. More athletic than all of us. They're growing big out there. But um, so obviously you hear those like glory stories from you know college, you know, where someone hits like that game-winning shot or like something like that. So I'm gonna ask both of you, like, what was your favorite memory from your time in college in America? Um. Well, for me, um. Definitely my favorite. I have actually, I'll take my two favorite memories. My, my cross with Emmett's a little bit. So I'll just, I'll take one of them. Um, I loved going to the NCAA tournament. That was amazing. It was just such a cool experience. Right. 
you know, we had a police escort to the airport. We were on this big commercial jet that was just for Samaris. And it was, it was like the coolest experience. And just to be part of the whole buzz, everyone's creating their brackets and stuff a day. You see them talking about us on TV. And it's, it's really, really cool. Um, and I'm so happy that we got to go. It was my final year of college. Uh, unfortunately, we lost our second round game. Um, well, I guess round of 32. Uh, in a game where we felt we should have won, but it was just so cool to be part of it. And uh, I'm really glad I got the opportunity to do that. So that was, that's my favorite college memory. Well, one of my two, but I won't take both because I might, I might cross yeah, over. Yeah, I'd say the other one. I mean, mine are out too. Well, we had this big come from behind win at home against Gonzaga one year. We were down like 15 with 10 minutes to go. And they, they were like our biggest rivals. So every game against them, whether it was at home or on the road, the stadium was packed and just unbelievably loud. Um, so that would be it. But then also winning at Gonzaga, um, probably one of the best feelings because it's just like they've got this massive student section, um, all do like choreographed dances. They all dress up in different outfits and stuff. Like it's a very... One of those things like you only get in college sports um, yeah. and they're just on you the whole game from like the minute you walk out to warm up an hour before the game, they're all there and there's no real blocking them from the the court. So like if your ball rolls over to the sideline, some drunk dude will pick it up and try and shoot it and won't give it back to you. Um, <laughs> so they're just all over you the whole game. And then to get a win there, um, when we – went there our coaches I think had won one game there in 15 years or something yeah we ended up winning two or you won two I won two of my four I won my last two games there um and so it was pretty hard thing to do and the crowd would just be completely silent by the end which is pretty sweet that's um I think like that college experience you watch it on tv but obviously you can't like match actually being there that's that's sick and uh, Emmett, you, yeah, Emmett, you mentioned Redshirt in your first year. Um, how was that experience for you? Uh, it was good and bad, I think. Um, it was good because... I was going to walk and talk. We were running out of battery on my phone. So keep going, Em. Um, oh, yeah. yeah no, it's it all good. I'd say um, it let me experience a bit more of college life. Um, without having to worry about basketball as much that first year because, you know, there's times the teams would travel and uh, the team would be traveling and I'd just be left at the college. Um, and again, like before game days or things like that, I didn't really have to stress out on the weekend. I didn't have to worry about getting ready for a game. I just had to worry about sort of nothing really. So it did let me have a, a bit more fun at college. But then on the other hand, um, like, again, I just got a lot more time to lift and get ready. Um, so that when I did have my first year playing, I actually ended up getting to play, like, 25 minutes a game, um, which I wasn't ready to do when I first got there. Um, There's no way I was going to play immediately. Um, so without that red shirt year, yeah, um, I wouldn't have been able to play as much as I did that first year. And then that first year ended up giving me a lot more confidence or I started to realise what I needed to do to play even more, actually. Because although I was playing 25 minutes, I don't think I had that big of an impact on the team. Whereas the next few years where I was playing more, um, I was able to contribute a bit more. So, yeah, I, I mean, five years is a long time to be at college, but I'm pretty glad that I redshirted in the end, um, even though it was tough at times. Oh, no, just for the people that don't know, redshirting is right. you so, don't so participate Jayden, in your first year. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I was just saying, some people don't know what redshirting is. So, Dan, you, you started all your games in your junior year having a pretty good season, a pretty good year, I'll say. Like, what did that do for your confidence, like, going forward with your basketball, like, in... Um, yeah, I mean, it was great. Uh, because the few years before that, few years before I hadn't really like played it. almost at all. Um, I had a, uh, um, I had a uh, two years where I really didn't see much time at all on the floor, and then you, you do kind of lose a bit of confidence when you're not playing, especially in my second year when I was there. When I wasn't playing, we were also like losing. I was like, well, I can't even help, and our team sucks. So like, I must be really bad. 
But then um, the uh, junior year when I got to play a lot, it was really cool because um, I did well and started making me believe that I could actually play quite well at a high level. And uh, that was probably my favorite year, um, apart from the following year when we went to the tournament because that was the year that I kind of played a lot and we won the conference that year as well. So it was uh, it was pretty it was a pretty good year for me. And yeah, I was lucky the coach kind of gave me uh, a lot of rope that year and, and let me kind of go out there and play. Uh, and especially after the first years, I hadn't really done too much. He did show like a pretty good amount of faith in me that I could go out there and, and play in my junior year. So that was that was pretty cool. And then Emmett, um, you had a strong sophomore year, averaging 14 points and six assists. And then um, in your junior year, you were the honorable mentor for all West Coast Conference selection. Um, what was that feeling like, like being nominated for that? Uh, Some more quality research from Switzerland. <laughs> yeah, great, great research. Um, I mean, to be honest, actually, that from my sophomore year to my junior year was actually a little bit of a jump back um, in terms of my stats and um, how I thought I played. And that was, I did, uh, not to throw excuses out, but that was the year. I think was it both of us? We yeah. missed our whole preseason with um Dane had a back injury and I had a knee injury. Um that never I guess never really fully healed throughout the year. Um but also like um our teammate Jock Landale, who's now playing at Zalgiris, um, should be in the NBA, he really came into his own that year. So it was whereas I was the focus of the team more my sophomore year um, and our leading score, we sort of moved to a different focus where Jock was our best player. Um, and the main goal is getting him the ball. Um, but yeah, to get, to be nominated and to get the honours of our WCC um, team was really cool. And something that, again, when I first got to St. Mary's, I was just sort of happy to be there. Um, I mean, they were the, my only real offer at the time so again like I talked about before it wasn't like I I got there and I was thinking I'm gonna be all WCC first team right away like I was just happy to be there and try to work hard each day um, so then to get that acknowledgement was pretty cool. So Dane when you left St Mary's um, you were the all-time leader in field goal percentage did that like what was that feeling of knowing that you like made your name at that college in America? You'd, you'd held like a record there, you know. Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool, and uh, it was just it was great to know that I did it all by myself with no help from uh, anybody at all. <laughs> uh, no, I, really I uh, got uh, I got I got to play with Emmett, obviously, who's an amazing passer, and also uh, Joe Rahan. So those guys really served up passes to me on an absolute platter. Uh, got to enjoy that for two years, so that really that always helped your field goal percentage. Um, I was very, I was very lucky in that regard. Uh, so it was, it is cool to be sort of in the record books, even if it's a kind of a, a little bit more of a minor stat. It'd be cool to be, you know, the all-time leader in assists or points or something like that. Um, which Emmett is leader in all-time leader in assists, uh, which is a really cool stat. Um, so that was that was great. Uh, it, it is kind of cool to have at least one thing I can say. I was. I was at that, uh, but I didn't really pay too much attention because, like I said, I was pretty lucky. <laughs> and like you mentioned, Emmett was the all-time leader in assists, breaking um, Matthew Dellavedova's record. What did that um, mean to you, to break a fellow Australian's record in that sort of thing? Uh, yeah, it meant a lot. Um, obviously, Delhi is someone um, we've all always watched. Like He's on TV for St. Mary's, the Olympics. And then... Uh, in Cleveland a lot um, so he was he, I mean rightly so he was our all-time leading assist all-time leading scorer and coach Bennett he talked about himself uh, just what a leader he, he was and what a player um, so then to be able to, to sort of surpass one of his records was pretty unreal because we all hold him in such high esteem um, but yeah it, it was pretty cool um, my senior year sort of, sort of really started to go on for it a bit more, you know. Anytime I had an open layup, I wasn't taking it. I was, I was giving it off to someone. Um, once I realised it was actually possible. Um, but yeah, it was, 
it's something I'm pretty proud of and um, hopefully no one ever breaks it. <laughs> so moving on to your international career, Dane, you first played for Australia in 2012 when you captained the Australian under-18 team at the 2012 Albert Schweitzer Games in Germany. What, was, what did it mean to yeah. you to be representing Australia for the first time? Uh, it was pretty amazing. Um, yeah, it was it was cool, especially as like I was saying, I remember our first season we were under 18s, and it was kind of really quickly they ended up being on the Australian team from not making a team before that. So I was kind of a bit overawed a little bit just by being, didn't really, at the time, I didn't really feel like I was, I should be on this team, and then I kind of got to start as well. So it was a cool experience for me, um, and especially, uh, you know, wearing the green and gold, it just you do feel a real sense of pride um, when you're over there. Even if it is just the Albert Schweitzer tournament, uh, whatever it is, if you're playing on the Australian team, you do feel like you're, you know, representing your, your friends a little bit and your family um, because you want to put on a good show for uh, Aussies because uh, everyone else who's put it on before you has done that same thing. They represented it really, really well and with a lot of pride. So you want to continue the tradition yourself. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Being captain... Uh, especially at the time, I wasn't the most confident young lad. Were you captain? I was captain at Schweitzer. <laughs> I was, yeah. Emma was there too. Uh, it was actually kind of funny. I'd never been captain of a basketball team before. And they uh, they made me do a pump-up speech for a couple of the games, and I was just awful at it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, don't know. I just started swearing, I think. Oh, to do. <laughs> um, so that was that was an interesting experience. Uh, but it was, it was great. Oh, I did love it. And then... um. You both played for Australia in the 2013 Under-19 World Championships in Prague. Obviously also playing with um, NBA player Dante Exum. What was that um, international experience like, especially playing like a tournament like FIBA? Yeah, it was pretty cool that Dante got to play with us. Uh, I'm sure it's something he always talks about. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, no, it was, it, was, it was great. That was Probably the highlight of my career is playing in that under-19 tournament. That was that was a real, a proper big um, tournament um, for my age group, and so it did feel like it was a real Australian team that I'd made. When I was on the under-18 team, none of the bottom age guys were playing. So when I played with under-19s, it felt like I'd made a proper Australian team, and, and to go out there and, and a big tournament, was, they made a big deal of it. You know, there was cameras there and everything. It was first time I played in front of like a proper setup like that, and Dante was. Amazing. And he was so good. We had this incredible game uh, in the quarterfinals against Spain. They were undefeated. But I think we already lost like three times. So we were real underdogs in the game. And, and Dante just carried us. He had 33 points or something. And uh, he had a whole bunch of assists too. And he was just amazing. He just, he just literally just carried us over the line to get to beat Spain. And it put us into the top four, which was a place I wasn't sure that we would get to uh, going into the tournament. So it's it was just great, you know. We were going around in the the cafeteria, all the teams eat afterwards, and we won the final four teams left. And that was it was just such a cool feeling, and uh, I I loved it. It was just to be out there representing. My whole family came and watched too, so that was really cool too. Yeah, um, like they said, come top four in that that tournament. I mean, we would have loved to get a medal. Um, seems like there's a bit of a curse with top fours. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Another side of it, obviously, I agree with Dan said. Another side is some of the guys in the tournament are playing, like in the NBA. Like I think we played Nikola Jokic. What's the dude? The A team was obviously filled, pretty much played against those guys. Um, is something that's pretty, pretty cool. And any time I see him on TV, I can be like, "Yep, we played that guy," or something like that. Um, it's just another cool thing to see how far people have gone from that stage. Okay, uh, that's that's yeah, that's Dan, cool. You were... Oh, there you go. No, no, you go, you go, you go. <laughs> and I was just saying, it's like, especially yeah, like yeah. seeing them now, it's pretty cool to um, to know that you've played against them. And then, so after that, you both obviously came back to um to Australia. Um, Dane, you went to the Sydney Kings. Uh, what made you sort of want to join and play for them? Uh, they're the only team that offered me a contract, so that made me want to play for them a great deal. 
that was uh, it was great. I mean, it was really exciting. I'm really glad. I'm, I'm very grateful that the Kings gave me an opportunity to play professional basketball. And the best part for me was that uh, Drew was there, Andrew Gaze, uh, who I've known my whole life, um, and he's always been really a really great friend for me and my family. And so. It was in that first year when, you know, it was a bit tough navigating professional life. I, I knew that if I ever really needed help, like Drew would be there for me, um, which is a great feeling uh, to have with your coach. And, um, yeah, I was lucky in the last few, last four, maybe four to six games. So I got to play. Probably had a lot of injuries and we were on the bottom of the ladder, which was a new experience, all the losses. But I got to play a bit and um, because of the situation and, Got to play uh, some significant minutes. We won a couple of games, so that was a. It was great for me in that first year to get some confidence up at that level and getting out there and playing. So, yeah, it was a good experience. And my first year in Sydney, I lived at um, Emmett's parents' house. Actually, uh, they looked after me a lot too, <laughs> so that helped out the whole experience quite a lot. Shout out, mum and dad. I'm sure they're watching. They've also been long time. <laughs> <laughs> so, and they used one for the Illawarra Hawks. Um, what was the reasoning for you to join and play for them? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, at the time, obviously, that decision was, I mean, I was speaking about it with my agent, um, and it's somewhere he thought, and I agreed, it would be great for me because um, playing under Rob Beveridge, who was the coach at the time, um, and pretty high esteem, well, a coach held in high esteem, um, that was a, a big thing, um, and just getting the chance to play. I mean, I, I think I was able to play a little bit, um, which I didn't want to go to a spot where I was just going to ride the bench um, and not really improve at all. So we figured that Illawarra was the best spot for that. Um, Bevo liked to rotate through the lineups quite a lot, playing up tempo game. Um, so we saw that as a great opportunity, and then it was pretty close to where I lived in Sydney, um, which is always a bonus but not too close where I was living at my parents' house and seeing them all the time. So they could come to all the games, but I was far enough away from them. No, they're not that bad, man. I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And plus, you know, uh, Wollongong's just a great city. Um, really cool place. Um, great fans and everything as well. So, yeah, I, I loved it there. Well, I have loved it there. And then, sure they watch as well. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so then the NBA and NBL often do exhibition games in preseason for both leagues. And Jane, I think you've played against the Utah Jazz and the LA Clippers. How was that for the experience against going like NBA players? It was, it was really eye-opening uh, how athletic and how fast they are. Uh, we played the Jazz. I opened up this like a 20-point lead on us so quickly. Uh, it's just another level that those guys were on. Um, that was pretty cool. It's cool to see Gobert out there on the floor. He's just massive. Um, and, and it was great, too, because we were playing against Joe and, and Dante. Um, and Joe was dominating us. And then Dante was playing. He was playing well. That was actually when he was having a really good season, too. He was healthy, which is good to see. And he had... Uh, there was one player I remember in particular, he was coming on a fast break and I was under the rim and I just had to make sure I gave him a cheeky little foul so he didn't dunk it on me because that was <laughs> a real nightmare. Um, and then the next year when we played the Clippers, that was fun too. Because <laughs> we, were, uh, we were a lot better um, as a team and we had Bogues who was so experienced at the NBA level, he could really obviously easily compete at that level because he was actually really good at that level. And um, him and Jerome Randall kept us in it for most of the match. And the highlight for me was I uh, got switched on an on-ball with Lou Williams. And that was like, it was just kind of funny. I was like guarding him. I was like, oh my God, I'm guarding Lou Williams right now. Um, I just didn't want to get embarrassed more than anything. So uh, that was just, like, it was just a cool, it was a funny thing. I was watching him so much on TV and, you know, it was stuck guarding Lou Williams. So he just, by pure luck, Lou missed Williams. the three-point shot that he took on me. Um, but it was just, it was just a cool thing to do, to be out there guarding no. Those type of players, you know, those big name players. The dream. That's, <laughs> that's, that's the dream. Was that before Kawhi was? Yeah, 2019. Was yeah, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. the year before, Paul uh, George and Kawhi were there. Um, yeah. Unfortunately that's for them. Right. Yeah. <laughs>
<laughs> Unfortunately for them, they would have got, got slapped. So, both, <laughs> so you know, play, playing your first professional game is always a dream. You always want to, you always want to step on the court and play for a professional team. Like, what was that feeling stepping on the stepping on the court for the first time, being a professional player, like playing in the for a professional team? Uh, for me, the first time I stepped on the court as a professional player. I believe it was the fourth quarter and we were down about 25 points. So it wasn't all that exciting. Uh, but running, out of, running out of the tunnel and warming up in front of a big crowd. And that was, it was cool. You kind of get a little bit of buzz, you know, you get really excited. Um, so that was great. Uh, for me, the most exciting game as a professional, like in terms of that sort of, like, sort of first game was when I played the first game for Phoenix this year. You know, a brand new club and, and I was starting with playing against Melbourne United because it was the first game of the season I playing against Melbourne United. It was a sold-out crowd, and I was so amped up. Uh, I ran around like headless shoot for the whole match, basically. I didn't score once. I got in foul trouble, but yeah, it was just it was such a buzz. I was, I was so pumped out the whole game. Um, it, was, it was really cool. I got, I got tired by the end, so I was, I was just running around so much. Um, in more, so I did like 20 dunks. I can barely dunk anyway, so it, was, it took it out of me. Um, it, was, it was great. Yeah, my, my first game was a lot of nerves, I think. Um, we played Melbourne United. Um, well, I think had won it the year before, um, or at least been in the finals. So it's a pretty big game. And it's one I won't forget because I ended up getting to watch a lot because we ended up going to four overtime. Um, so for my first career game to go to four overtime, so it was pretty unreal. It is um, a yeah, it's just insane. And since it was my first game out, starting point guard, ended up getting four fouls somewhere in like the first overtime. So I had to sit there just so nervous that I was going to go back in. I hadn't played for like the last 20 minutes. So I was really cold and pretty stiff. Um, Who was that? Said Jackson. Oh, yeah, said Jackson. Yeah, so I was enjoying the game, but I was also just so nervous that I might have to go in in my first game in – second, third, and fourth overtime. Um, but, yeah, that was one I, I won't really forget. And, uh, yeah, that's, like, that's intense for overtime. That, like, that really happens for that to be your first game. That's, that's something different. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so then you both signed for the Melbourne Tigers looking for that added development for your skills. Uh, what was that added experience of, like, having to play, getting to play with each other, like, once again as well? Yeah, we were pumped for that. We were definitely going to win it all this year in the NBL one. Uh, we had a really good team coming together. Uh, obviously, I was really excited to play with Emmett. Would have made life great for me as a player. But also having around Melbourne would have been good too. But then we were also lined up to play with some of my other really good friends, Felix Bonhoff, um, who's he's been working out super hard in this isolation. And I hope we get to play a few uh, games, even practice games, so we can see all the work he's been putting in. Um, and then, you know, Jack Purchase, who I grew up playing with as well, Nick Fosley-Blue, uh, who's a development player with Perth. Uh, and then getting coached by Dad, too, has been great. Uh, so we had a, we had a really good squad. I don't, I don't think I left anyone out. Mike Wells is an import, but, um, you yeah, know, I hadn't played with him before last year. So all those boys are just cool to play with. It would have been really fun. I and mean, we definitely won a ton of games. Yeah, it was hard to see any team beating us this season, so... <laughs> a bit disappointing this whole virus came through. Yeah. <laughs> Mind when you just get all your friends together, all your friends together on one team and you just go out and you're just beating everyone in PE or something. Yeah, exactly. And that's, like that's exactly what it would have been like. You know? It would have been great. <laughs> when the PE teacher lets you choose your own teams, you know. So then being from Melbourne, what was it like moving back? Um, playing your first game for the Phoenix. Yeah, like I said, it was, it was pretty amazing. Um, the Phoenix, it was cool. I mean, like, it, was just, it was a very differently sort of run club to the Sydney that was when I left it. Um, a very, very professional outfit in, uh, down the southeast. So it's been, been great for me. It gave me a lot, a lot of opportunity at Simon. So had a lot of belief in me this year, um, which, is, which is really, you know, it gave me a lot of confidence and everything. But was, the, the thing that struck me the most this year with the Phoenix was just, I mean, the fans, they all jumped on board. An inaugural team that had never played before. And then they came out every game we had. Even the games when they weren't sort of, we were out of finals and we were playing sort of smaller teams. They still had the Phoenix. Phoenix base were out there nice and early supporting us on. And 
that was really cool. It just it was great to see those guys out there um, cheering us on like that. So uh, hopefully we can pay them back next year for the support that they showed us by putting on a bit of a better show and winning a few more games. Because um, I think that the way that they supported us, they kind of deserve um, some good results from uh, from the players. And then um, Emmett, for you, obviously you were joined by Lamelo Ball, like. <laughs> That was massive. But when um, Lamelo Ball went down, you saw added minutes, which gave you like ample opportunity to show off your skill. How did it feel to like sh- to show everyone what you're capable of doing in those minutes you were given? Ball out. Yeah, it was uh, out. it was really exciting for that uh, that little stretch. You know, um, obviously having a future top five draft pick on the team um, <laughs> did really cut my minutes a bit, um, but. You know, I was lucky I got to live um, with Sunday Detch, who is just one of the hardest workers going around. So he would always motivate me to go in and do extra stuff. Um, obviously, since I wasn't playing as much early in the year, I wasn't as tired, so I could do extra individuals and stuff like that. Um, and then you never want to see someone go down, but um, I was pretty stoked to get the extra opportunity to play more. Um, and my teammates were great as well. They are. Uh, they were very uh, encouraging, telling me to shoot, telling me to play my game. Um, so I was a bit more confident going in. Um, and, yeah, hopefully next season, wherever I'm playing, I get the same opportunity to play a bit more, um, try and show what I can do. Uh, yeah. So, Dane, jo- joining with the joining the Southeast uh, Melbourne Phoenix, you saw a much larger role than what it was in Sydney. And we just saw good performance. We saw good performances um, from you. How was how how was this like felt being able to perform in a way where you knew you were capable of doing like so well? Yeah, it was good. Um, I mean, I didn't. I did feel like uh, I was put in an opportunity with the I put in a sort of sorry sort of a spot with uh, Southeast Melbourne where it, they really made the most of what I'm good at. Um, you know, I. I'm not the most talented offensive player, but they didn't ask him to do much. They basically just uh, try and keep the ball open, offensive rebounds, and get down the other end, uh, defend on balls, and, and uh, basically try and disrupt the other team there. So they put me in a spot where they just basically let me focus on my strengths and, and um, you know, didn't make me go outside of, of them really too much. Uh, so I felt like time would come use me the best way possible. And uh, so I had a few good performances, but... It was like it was. It was a result of me. I feel like and the hard work I've put in um, to try and you know, get used to the speed of the game and everything like that. But it was. It was also a, a definitely a result of Simon's coaching and and putting me in the right right spot to do well. And and the makeup of the team certainly helped me too. Where I got to play with some really great uh, creative players that uh, also helped make me look good too. Like uh, John, like I said, John Robertson, Mitch Creek. Uh, Gibbo, Carl Adam, all those guys—they all just Mads, Mads as well. Um, everyone, they, they all—they all really helped me out. Uh, the and I would be really remiss if I didn't mention that playing with Ty Wesley, who I, I was watching a game the other day, a replay when we played New Zealand, and I think I had something like—I think I, I made seven field goals, and six of them were assisted by Ty. Uh, so that was definitely helpful to me, um, being on guys that were willing passes and, and good playmakers. And yeah, I think like that's what when you have a good team, like teammates are ready to pass the ball, so look for that extra pass. It does make everyone's everyone's job a bit easier. And uh, for you, Emmett, you obviously you played alongside former Timberwolves player Aaron Brooks, you know, and uh, <laughs> and Lamelo Ball. What was it like playing alongside like those those kind of guys? Yeah, it was it was real lucky. Um, pretty big signing. For, to get Aaron Brooks. Um, it's a shame he got injured like he did. Um, I don't think everyone got to see fully what he was capable of. I mean, obviously, he was an older guy and people knew what he did in the NBA, but um, just seeing him in practice, he was really starting to get his legs under him and uh, was definitely going to be one of the best players in the league. Um, and the the big thing about um, he was, you know, for a guy who had done so much in the NBA, he came in just with the 
a great attitude and like after practices he would take us aside and be like, Alright, we're gonna work on this, we're gonna do that. Um which is something, you know, he, he didn't have to do and we didn't expect him to do. Um, um so that was who was on the opposite end of the spectrum where he's looking his sort of professional career. It's just really cool to see him improve a lot into um, when he ended up leaving, having two triple doubles in his last two games. You know, he just oh, yeah. uh, improved. Um, and I think that's, that's obviously a testament to him and his skill, but also the work he put in on in the NBA. What can I do after this whole quarantine thing? And what, what's the plan for the, for the rest of, like, what are your goals for the rest of your career? Like, how do you want it to pan out? For me, to be honest, I, I would love to be one of the guys that can play for Southeast for like, if I could play for Southeast Melbourne for like another like eight or nine or 10 years, I mean, that'd be amazing. Cause I actually think I'd probably get my jersey retired, which would be, which would be cool. <laughs> I'm one of the inaugural members. If I play there for that long, hopefully I have some sort of record there. Um, so yeah, I, I, I want to play basketball as long as I can. And so right now in quarantine, it's actually kind of a nice time where I can try and gain some weight and put on a bit of muscle, which I need to do. Um, I can't be so skinny and sort of play um, one of the front court positions. Uh, so this is a, a time where I hope that I can set myself up for a long career by, by utilising it to gain some weight. And, um, obviously, I have a lot of areas I can improve as a player uh, going forward, but for now, that's just kind of what I'm concentrating on. And hopefully, if I keep working on it, I can stick around for a long time. And uh, I would love nothing more to have my jersey retired anywhere, but Phoenix, preferably. Um, yeah, I guess for me, same thing, just want to play as long as I can. Um, I've always thought it'd be really cool to play in Europe. Um, if I get the opportunity, I think it'd suit my style of play. So that's something I think I'd like to look for. And um, any chance I could get to play for Australia again um, is always, I'm sure, something that everyone sets their sights on. So it would be unreal. And also, on to like sort of... I think the question that me and Para have been wondering a bit, a big part of our sort of podcast is our debate on who who we think the greatest of all time is. Oh, For me, LeBron. LeBron's the greatest. LeBron's the greatest oh of all my. time. He's the best player ever. There's no yeah, doubt about it. Put him in the life man, of George, yeah, he would average no, talking about. Thank God George isn't here. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank God the other guys in here. He loves LeBron. <laughs> But yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, back it's Jordan. Of no, it's LeBron. It's Jordan. Exactly. Can you imagine? I mean, look at LeBron. LeBron was uh, sorry. Look at MJ. He's getting, but MJ was getting guarded by white guys. Can you imagine white guys trying to guard LeBron? Jingle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other sleeping. <laughs> the hate for the eighties and the nineties is, is is evident. Who was he going against? Was that Thomas Hakeem? I mean, look at LeBron. He's going against Kawhi, Tim Duncan, Kobe. Like, you know, he, he had a regress. He got, okay, and he was he still balling. No, okay, we're not having this argument again. But he got swept <laughs> twice. So, uh, <laughs> you got to get swept in the finals twice for being a go. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you definitely can. You definitely can because he is. <laughs> he was the nine straight finals. I don't think Jordan did that. <laughs> Because if you're going to lose the finals anyway, you might as well not waste games. You might as well just lose more. Oh. It was smart by him. <laughs> oh, my God. The hostility. <laughs> Jordan fan here. <laughs> yeah, because he's trash. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're both good. They're respective. Oh, my God. Everyone knows that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so... I mean, these these questions are like these last few questions have got going up. They're not they're not specifically designed around your career. But like, was there any specific like pregame routine that you guys have to go through? They have to do like any like certain uh, what are they called? Rituals. They, rituals. Yeah, like rituals and stuff <laughs> that you guys do before a game. Like you put your left shoe on before you ride or something. Uh no, for me not really. I uh, I don't really have any superstitions per se. I like to have a nap on game day. Uh, although that's not even for like my actual preference I love to play at three o'clock games that's my favorite game to play it has nothing to do with superstitions but I'd like to throw that in there uh, the more three o'clock games I get to play the better 
And I assume the NBL will be watching this split decision podcast and, and making their decisions on when we play based on <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, I don't really have a superstition. I don't have one at all, apart from maybe napping if it's a late game. Yeah, I, I don't think I have. I mean, I like to have the same routine on game days, which I guess is a little superstitious. And uh, I guess if I have a good game, I try and just do exactly the same thing that I did on that day the next time until it stops working. Um, but like throughout the whole season, throughout my whole career, I can't say there's one thing that I've, I do like, same every time or put my shoes on the same every time it's really uh yeah i think i try almost not to do it because then you're thinking about it too much i think that's true though that that is very true and uh i guess you guys have played basketball for a long time do you still get nervous about games like to to this day yeah, I definitely do. Like before the games, I get a lot of nervous energy, and but once you start playing, for me anyway, you kind of do forget about that a bit. It's just kind of in the build-up to the game, more in the warm-ups and stuff like that. I get, I do get butterflies still for sure. Um, just get, I just get really excited more than anything. Uh, but then once I start playing, I settle down just because you realize the same you've been doing for a long time now, so you, you kind of know what's going on, what to expect. Yeah, I think it depends on the game. But I used to get super nervous as a kid playing, um, like, unbelievably, to the point where I would almost want to throw up from how nervous I was. So compared to that, I seem like a a real cool cat right now. So um, I guess I do get a bit nervous, but compared to where I was, no, very close. So obviously, like, fan, fans, they only see, like, the professional side of the athletes when they're training and they're playing their games. But, like... When you guys aren't doing that, like, what do you guys actually like to do? Like, do you have a hobby outside of that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, we try and do a little, some different things. Uh, you know, try and, I've been doing a little bit of study lately. Um, just trying to do my CFA. Uh, she's a certified financial accountant. Um, but the, uh, yeah, I mean, there's always, I like to hang with my friends. I guess I know my favorite. We play a lot of cards. But I guess that's probably my hobby. It's just, um, playing cards with those guys, uh, which makes it's been difficult in quarantine. Um, but Emmett's got some really cool hobbies. Uh, I remember one time telling me, What was the one you used to, you used to do? Uh, finger painting in the dark, is that what it was? I know. Um, no, yeah, big thing with basketball is you do get some solid free time, you know, downtime when you need to recover. Um, so I've gone through stages obviously playing video games, stuff like that, um, just watching movies, watching Netflix. I was lucky to live. Even Wollongong, so um, could go to the beach and try to take up surfing, things like that. But yeah, I mean, you got to find ways to take your mind off basketball at times. Um, I know everyone's got their thing. People like to play golf and stuff like that, but I wish we had some more exciting answers for you. But you <laughs> sound pretty boring, I know. <laughs> and uh, I guess our, our final class, our, our final question is. Uh, do you have any advice for a young Australian kid to want to play pro basketball in the future? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you got to think about how many more people are playing basketball these days. You know, we go do basketball camps all the time, just sort of helping out coaching to the clubs. And you see there's gyms built all across the state of Victoria. And um, if you want to make you separate yourself from those other kids, you just have to work really hard. Uh, and one of the things that, as well, that Mitch Craig always tells kids when we go to these camps is you got to set goals. Um, if you don't set goals, then you set little ones along the way to get to big ones. And um, if you've got to be able to see what you're working towards and in your head as well, it's nice to be able to tick off some things to get to see some results going your way when you're working hard, which is why goals are so good. I think you're sort of saying to aspire to, but it also gives you a sense of sort of achievement when you reach them um, and sort of encourages you to keep going. But yeah, you've got to work really hard. It's like the NBL's taken off, it's getting more popular, it's getting harder to get in. Uh, and we maybe we're, maybe we're a little bit lucky right now because we're getting in sort of at the beginning. But uh, for everyone else that's out there, it's going to keep getting harder. And playing professional basketball is like the best life because you have so much time really outside to see your friends and family. And then also, you don't really have to work. Um, you know, um, 20, 10, 26, you see, I still have to be in an office working really at all. And uh, I'm just playing a game for a living. It's, it's a great life. So I would I would recommend it to anybody, but it is hard to get in. You have to work really hard. 
I think they can sum that up real well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for this uh, podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining us. It means like so much to us. Um, we hope everything goes well for you guys in the future. Hope you guys get that um that championship. You know, everything goes well for you. <laughs> and um, yeah, that's it. Thanks for watching. And, uh, uh, wait, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, do all oh, that yeah. stuff. <laughs> check out the link. Uh, check out check out Kremlin. You know, they've got new stuff yeah. coming. And uh, yeah, get your merch. Yeah, get your merch. Uh, it's, not, it's not, oh, it's not merch. It's just like, it's a... <laughs> 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 You're wearing a <laughs> <laughs> You're wearing a <laughs> 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 <laughs>